giant robot smashing into other giant robots. My name is Lindsay Christensen, uh, and I head up marketing for ThoughtBot. For anyone listening or joining who isn't familiar with ThoughtBot, we're a product design and development consultancy that help you make great products and help make your team a success. One of the very cool ways we do that uh, is with the ThoughtBot Startup Incubator, uh, which is a program that we launched this year and that Jordan, who's with us today, has been heading up. What's up, Jordan? And today what we're going to be doing is catching up with one of the latest founders who's participating in the incubator and seeing what he's been up to since the kickoff over these last two weeks. It's been two weeks. It's been two really fast weeks. (laughs) Josh, could you give us a little introduction to yourself? Sure. I'm Josh. Hi. I've been in tech product management for like 20-ish years. 15 or so of those were in head of product roles. And a bunch of those early on were my own startup where I discovered I was a pretty mediocre founder, but really liked this product leadership thing. I had a very lucky exit, which I leveraged into a series of first product manager, first head of product, first product leader roles at a series of early stage companies across a ton of domains, B2B, B2C, fintech, mobile, rev tech. And then a little over a year ago, uh, my partner and I got to do this thing we've been talking about for a while, which was we swapped who the primary parent was. We have two kids, two teens, 13 and 15 right now. So that's eighth grade and ninth grade. I wanted to take over primary parenting so that they could focus as much or as little on their career as they wanted to in the same way they had allowed me to do for the first 15-ish years of our kids being kids. And if I were a better person, I would have found some kind of job that allowed for work-life balance, but I'm not. I have a whopping case of ADD, which we'll probably come back to later on in this conversation. And the way that I knew I'd be able to actually fulfill my responsibility as primary parent was by retiring from salaried work. So I did that a little over a year ago last summer and kind of keep me busy and occupied in between 8.30 in the morning at you know school drop-off and 3 o'clock in the afternoon school pickup. And when I'm not doing shopping and cooking and lunches and doctor's appointments and dentist appointments and orthodontist appointments and play dates and soccer practices and basketball practices and soccer games and basketball games and bar and bat mitzvahs and all the other things that we do, I built a very small niche coaching, mentorship, and advisory practice around founders, solo product managers, and first-time heads of product. And that's pretty much up until about two weeks ago, what I had been doing with myself. <laughs> it's a great update. Um, I especially liked all the practices that you have to go to. I do that's like practices. The- we went to a co-ed soccer game for my middle school kid. And it was the first time that the boys team, the girls team had ever played together. And they got totally clobbered by this other team. And what I loved about it at the end was the kids weren't bummed. They're like, that was really fun. And, you know, for a lot of these kids, they've been friends since kindergarten. So this is like nine years of being friends and playing recess soccer together. And they're not very good at soccer, but they just really love all playing together so much. And they just bring so much sportspersonship to the field. It was really a pleasure. Okay. So you're doing all this fun primary parenting, going to all the fun practices. You've got a coaching business that you're working on as well, but there was this idea, this idea that's been needling What brings you to us? I think before it was an idea, it was a problem. And I knew this was a Josh problem. And the Josh problem was that I have a really big network, you know, built over the past, you know, more than 20 years of professional life. And, you know, one of the joke lines they have is that the solution to almost any business problem uh, is found in talking to more people. 
Um, I really value being able to, you know, call people up, message them, text them, email them, get together with them, ask them lots of questions, listen hard. And I try really hard to reciprocate doing the same thing. I don't know what your professional network looks like, Lindsay or Jordan, over the past, I don't know, couple of years, decade, however long it's been, you know, but what used to be email and LinkedIn maybe, and maybe getting together in some local meetups has really spiraled what to me feels, again, whopping case of ADD, completely out of control, right? I have my LinkedIn network, which has not gone away, right? And now I'm a member of, I don't know, Jordan, we share these a lot, a dozen different professional networking slacks. Those are the ones that Jordan and I share probably far, far more than that, right? Product management ones, entrepreneurship ones, product marketing ones, engineering ones, tech company ones, ones that are geographically based for the Boston area, uh, ones that are focused on things like climate change and climate tech. So a ridiculous number of these. And as somebody with some experience and the privilege to have some free time, it feels kind of like, I don't know, an obligation sounds too grandiose, but it feels like a nice way that I can give back is by participating and trying to be helpful inside of these. So that's happened. And Discord became a thing. You know, certainly it had been a thing for gamers since before that, but since the beginning of the pandemic, Discord became a thing. I'm in like, I don't know, a dozen different similar Discord groups. And I'm in WhatsApp communities and I'm in Telegram communities and in-person meetups have started to happen again. And I found myself kind of losing control. I was telling people, right, whether, you know, over the phone or in Zoom calls or in direct messages uh, that I make connections to them, make intros, and it was getting increasingly hard to do that. I was forgetting about people, you know, like it's hard to remember to stay in touch with all of your colleagues when you move on from past roles. And, you know, I would try to make connections to people, right? To be like, okay, Lindsay, you know, you wanted to meet somebody else, right? In marketing, right? In the Boston area. And I remember that like six years ago, they worked at Rocket and now they moved on to something else. I can't remember what's called. And like, how do you like, you know, page through your email and your Slack connections and your LinkedIn to find that person? And that was really hard too. So I have ADD. My family would say that I'm like moderately functional. So how do I achieve that? By creating systems for myself. And I did all the things which other people have tried to do. I built myself like spreadsheets and Notion databases. I have an awful lot of like, Notion databases now powered by forms. I'm like, just put your information in and it'll appear magically into my database where I try to, you know, push the work onto other people and none of it was really working for me. And that was kind of the genesis of the idea. And then trying to figure out, is this a Josh problem or is this a broader problem? That's kind of how I got started. Lots of people, lots of channels, not a lot of tracking or confusing tracking. And we chatted briefly before, you know, you were starting the program and this really resonated for me. And I also ended up doing a user interview yeah. with, the, with the team about <laughs> it. Because, uh, yeah, in my role and kind of moving from different companies or doing mentoring on the side and being in investor communities and marketing communities, mm -hmm. it gets overwhelming for sure. And I, I feel the pain and I've had the, the embarrassing moments of not remembering how I know someone or a conversation yeah. we had or someone I really respect asking me for an intro. And I'm like, I don't remember anything right. about how I know that person. I mean, that was both gratifying and disappointing. Gratifying like, oh, it's not just a Josh problem. We all struggle with this. <laughs> and disappointing, right? And as I've had more of these conversations, just to realize like, I know almost nobody who doesn't struggle with this. There's a few. There's a few outliers, a few weirdos, a few superheroes who are able to do this really well and who feel in control. And like literally, as they describe it, it sounds like, Jordan, you're nodding, right? It sounds like a superpower, right? As they're describing how they do these, how they kind of manage <laughs> it. 
but for the most part, thank goodness, it's not a Josh problem. The bummer is nobody has like, you know, the magic incantation, right? The spell or the secret or like the one weird trick or the tool or like, could I just give you money and solve this thing? And none of this really exists today. And that was kind of a bummer. I was hoping for, you know, better news that this was a solved problem. Yeah. Jordan, heading over to you for a minute. Josh applied for the incubator with this problem that he was working on. We had a lot of great applications, I think, for this session. What made you think, or you and the team, land on Josh as one of our session three founders that would be a great fit for the programming? I'd say it was probably two factors. One is just stage. What's really tough with figuring out who's a good stage fit for us. So like what that means is you've identified a specific enough, right? You're not just like, I want to solve world hunger or something like super broad. Um, there's enough of a specific pain point or problem that you're trying to solve that there's like, we might conceivably make progress on it in eight weeks, but you're not so far along that you are basically like, hey, I've got the specs for an MVP. Can you just build it? Which is like too late for us. And part of that is the mindset of a discovery mindset of, hey, I've identified this pain point. I think other people have it, but I, I'm very open to how we solve the problem or learning new things about it, learning that it is a bigger need in a market I've never thought about, like being open to the things we might learn together. So those things, stage fit, mindset fit, but also like it is a problem that is addressable with software, right? ThoughtBot's focus is software. Like, yes, we have worked on products that are not software products, but like our bread and butter is software. And my personal bread and butter professionally is software. So is the problem on the table something that, you know, software is a big component in meeting the need. So it's, you know, stage. So I guess it's three things. Stage, founder mindset, which is this combination of having conviction, but being open-minded, very weird <laughs> thing to find in a person. And then, you know, can we conceive of a way to address this with software without jumping to solutionizing? That's sort of what we're looking for. And Josh checked all of those boxes. And I think also just had a problem that people really resonated with, which is clear from what Lindsay was saying. And for me personally as well, I mean, I should say, <laughs> yeah. this is a problem I have. So when Josh and I first talked about it, I was just like, yes, I would love to solve this problem. I also wish there was some spell or incantation or weird trick or existing products Etc. We might have spent an hour nerding out over all of the things that we've tried. Yeah. The things that we've tried. Emphasis on the nerding. On the nerding part, yeah. Any well, of you listening to this being like? To connect yeah. Google Sheets to this like really weird web query. and <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and then giving up because it's totally unmaintainable or like impossible. Uh, yeah. right. Oh, and so, it's all crap too. <laughs> right, right. So... If anyone out there listening is like, oh, yeah, that's me. First of all, you're not alone. Second of all, mm -hmm. please reach out to us. We would like to interview you. Or if anyone out there is like, me. oh, I have this thing solved, right? If you got the solution, please reach out to <laughs> yes, us, also, right? Save us, six, save us six more weeks of work. <laughs> if you know the solution, uh, definitely tell us. Anyway, so to your question, though, Lindsay, that's, that's how mm -hmm. this came out. And uh, it just seemed like a great fit along those lines. Yeah. So, but Josh, you mentioned... Well, I think you kind of downplayed your founder history a little bit, but you've been a founder who had success, uh, certainly a, a product team leader who's been very successful in the early stage teams. What were you looking for from ThoughtBot? Like what attracted you to working with the ThoughtBot team on your problem when you have all this kind of past experience already? I think there's probably three parts to it. One is I know a bunch of people 
in the ThoughtBot team pretty well. In past roles, I've actually hired ThoughtBot, I think it was twice, and I've referred a bunch of your current and past clients as well. Like I'm just generally a big ThoughtBot fan. I think I've even used ThoughtBot products long before I even knew like Chatter or Jordan, some of your old products from like, you know, the early 2000s. So we're going really OG here. So I knew ThoughtBot really well and think really highly of everybody who I've interacted with there. Number two is, I know you say incubator, uh, but for me, the word that's really been resonating has been accelerator. It can be really slow the early, I don't know, weeks, months, years, right? To go from an idea to, hey, this is really an opportunity. And I didn't want to spend weeks or years at this, right? I have a full-time job. It's, you know, taking care of the family. Like that's what I wanted to be focused on. And if this was really an opportunity, I wanted to figure this out relatively quickly. And I love the fact that ThoughtBot has this eight-week accelerating program. And the third one is I had this, and you know, not every assumption I came in with was one that I'm going to leave the program with, but I came in with the assumption that a lot of the risk was technology risk. I had a rough idea that this was a, I was quickly discovering that this wasn't just a Josh problem. This is a broader problem, right? There's plenty of challenges beyond that, but it's good to discover that your problem is broad. But is it something which can actually get built and built relatively straightforward? Jordan hears him talk about this all the time. You know, I don't like a science project problems right? And ThoughtBot is really, really good at building software. And partnering with somebody who can help to remove that kind of risk as a non-technical founder, as somebody with literally zero technical skills, I find that very, I don't know, comforting, exciting. Okay. Writes down in marketing notebook, accelerator resonating more than incubator. Um, <laughs> I wanted to get to the decision. Incubator is a better word for it, but I personally wanted to get to that. Is this a good opportunity or a bad opportunity uh, decision? Yeah. Uh, Quick, quickly validate and validate. Right. I wanted this like I wanted to time box this thing, and eight weeks is a nice chunk of time. Love that. Yeah. I I want to just like flag here that like all of these words are very frustrating, and we had a really <laughs> hard time picking one. And I we, we really actually like. In literal terms, I think the program mm -hmm. is way more like founder bootcamp than anything, but ThoughtBot mm -hmm. can't run a bootcamp without people thinking it's a Rails bootcamp, right? Yeah. <laughs> like if we just said ThoughtBot bootcamp, people would be like, oh, as a developer, I should go to this bootcamp and ThoughtBot will teach me how to, how to be a better engineer, which would be totally reasonable from a brand standpoint, right? So we were like, all right, not bootcamp. And then Accelerator typically comes with, with investment dollars in my experience yep. as a founder. And we are not, we don't invest cash in the companies that we work with yet so that was off the list and that just left incubator which ah, like i don't i don't disagree that it's yeah. not the best word but whatever we lack a good one i'll tell you one thing so i'm involved with other things in this space i'm based in boston but for raleigh's brand new founder institute chapter which i think is a great program and i'm really proud of the you know first cohort of founders that are going to the program down there and i love them and I love their energy and enthusiasm and focus and that we at Founder Institute are providing them with value. I think we really are or I wouldn't be participating, but I wanted people to work alongside me. And I think that's actually one of the things which is really unique about ThoughtBot's program. This isn't like, you know, a bunch of other founders with varying amounts of experience working alongside you. This is like actual people who do things, right? Designers and software engineers, developers who are working alongside you and learning alongside you. Uh, but it makes it, I would say, less of a lonely process, right? This is one of the things I remember. I even, when I founded a company, the one time I did this prior, 
I did it with my best friend, which is about as unlonely as you can possibly get. And it still is really, really lonely. So having this like, you know, team backing you up and a company backing up that team and organization is nice. Thanks for sharing that about the loneliness factor. That kind of reminds me, Jordan, I know in the last session, you were trying out the idea of like this founder emotion tracker. Has that made its way to session three? Not really, mostly because both of the teams we're working with, two teams, by the way, not just Josh, have been founders before. And so the emotional roller coaster of like literally every day, you know, Monday, you feel like a million bucks because you have a really great idea and you're really excited about it. And then Tuesday, you talk to a bunch of people who add some complexity to the thing, the assumptions that you had made on Monday. And so then you start to feel like maybe this isn't a thing. Oh, no. And then Wednesday, you learn about some like technical thing that you didn't realize was a stumbling block. And so by the end of Wednesday, you're like, everything is doomed. I shouldn't even be doing this. I've just wasted everyone's time. But then the team wakes up on Thursday and is like, actually, there's an easy solution to this. And we found a new group of people to talk to who have this problem in a really clear way. And then you feel like a million bucks again. And then you just cycle through it. Like that cycle is something that Josh and then our other founding team have actually felt before. And so we haven't really been like leaning on the emotional roller coaster timeline as much just because it hasn't been as relevant. And that's it's kind of what's tough about the program we're running is that everybody comes to it with different assets in hand. I always think of that scene in The mm-hmm. Princess Bride when they're outside the castle and Wesley is like, what do we have? What are our assets? It's like you arrive to this with different assets in hand. Um, You might have already talked to 50 people, but you have no technical background. So you don't know what on earth to do about the information that you've learned. Or, you know, maybe you do have a technical background. And so you've done a bunch of solutionizing, but you haven't talked to a single person about whether they have the problem you're trying to solve. Anyway, it really runs the gamut. And so the programming is designed to help teams find focus and find market message fit. But what people roll up with is very different. And in this case, we, we have a cohort, so to speak, that has some prior startup experience, especially as founders. And so they know a little bit more about how every day is going to emotionally feel different. And that emotional roller coaster work stream is on the roadmap, but we don't, we don't spend as much time with it as we did with Ashley and with Agnes before in the first two sessions, because they were first-time founders and really didn't know how they should be feeling And that to me is one of the many value adds, including what Josh mentioned, like just having a team Mm -hmm. diligently focused on your problem space full time is a huge boost of momentum and confidence. Just like people thinking about the same thing you're thinking about with you and bringing their earnest effort to solving the problem. That has been one of the main things people have found valuable about it. In addition to the acknowledgement that like, you're going to have a lot of different emotions and it doesn't mean anything necessarily. Like your day-to-day emotion does not mean that you are a failure or that this is a bad idea or that you're a success and this is a good idea. <laughs> like neither of those things is necessarily true. So let's chat a little bit about what has actually been happening since kickoff. So two weeks ago started, Jordan, maybe I'll start with you. What uh, has the first two weeks of programming looked like? We have been really heads down on interviewing Josh rolled up having done a survey, which yielded a bunch of conversations already, conversations and flights. So we iterated on a script. You know, part of the efforts of the first couple of weeks are really geared toward having our team understand the things that Josh understands already. We need to kind of get on the same page. And so we try to talk to as many people as we can because there's nothing, one of our theses here, beliefs, I don't know what the right word is, 
is that there's really nothing that drives momentum quite like team alignment. And there's nothing quite mm-hmm. like talking to customers and hearing for yourself what their pain points are that drives alignment. So it's like, if everyone's talking to people, I know I'm sure people out there have been on teams where it's like one person talks to customers and they're translating to everybody else. Yeah. Well, here's what I'm hearing. So this is what we need to build. And it's like, if everybody has firsthand experience with the conversations, alignment and conviction sort of grows organically. out of it. It's a lot less work to align yeah. if everybody's talking to people. So it's always like the first order of business is how do we talk to people so that we know the things you know to the level that you know them. So we've been doing a ton of interviewing And then that's about driving alignment and understanding, but it's also ultimately about trying to drive focus. So as we are talking to people and listening to them, we're really trying to listen for patterns and to map those to the market segments these people inhabit. So like every one of us has our own network that we're bringing to this effort. And so we start there. You start where where you are with what you have, right? I think that's like a Teddy Roosevelt quote. Start where you are with what you have. Somebody said that. Anyway, so we all do that. But really, ultimately, we want to... Building software is all about a repeatable problem that you can address with a one-size-fits-all, more or less, product. What we're trying to find is like we're trying to listen for patterns and listen for pain points that are addressable and really focus in on a, on a narrow niche or situation context that we can address in some repeatable way. And I would say, at this moment, we've done a bunch of that interviewing and we're now like, okay... We're feeling the need to focus, but we have not quite started that dive. I don't know, Josh, maybe you feel the same or different. No, I think that's right on. I mean, you know, the first thing we all had to do was develop our own ethic understanding of the problem and the potential user, right? It wasn't going to happen from me talking to people. It was going to happen from us talking to people. And then the next step is to start to align that empathic understanding, which sounds like a thing that gets finished, but really it's only a thing that gets started and never really ends. And then, you know, we got to be willing to make some bets, right? We got to figure out, you know, what is our hypothesis? You know, what do we think are the risky bits? And what are the things that differentiate this from being a problem where I think we have broad agreement across the entire team and literally everybody we spoke to, the only people who don't think this is a problem are the ones who have some complicated ridiculousism they built themselves, which they will acknowledge is not going to apply to anybody else. So, right, problem is broad, right? But where exactly is the opportunity? Because end of the day, right? We're looking to build a business. Josh, I saw you uh, head nodding during the alignment discussion. How, how has it been aligning with the, the team around the, the problem you've been thinking so much about? I don't know, Jordan, how you feel about it. I found it really fun. And it's been fun for a couple of reasons. I think the number one reason that I really like it is this is a really diverse team, right? So Jordan and I are in Boston and have, I would say, fairly similar tech company, entrepreneurish sort of you know, hand wavy, miscellaneous tech people, startup folks background. We have somebody in Denmark, but she's Spanish. We have someone in maybe London right now, but he's Nigerian. And we have a member of our team uh, in Saudi Arabia. That's a lot broader perspective. And I think that comes to play in like at least three different ways. They come with their own perspectives, right? And their own world experiences and lived experiences and values and ways they talk about those things, right? Number one, they come with their own networks, right? Of people to talk to for whom it's easy to reach, right? So it's not just all hand-wavy tech startup-y folks like I'd be talking to. And like literally my entire list is like, oh, they're all people like me. Like it was really easy to get 60 people to want to talk to me because they're all people I've been talking to for a while, which is awesome and maybe a little bit uninteresting. But more than that, they all bring different language. Like we've been struggling. Like this is what we did. We spent what? 
two hours of our hour and a half meeting this morning, struggling with like, are we having a difference like meaning or a difference of words? And it's not an efficient way to use your time, but it really is an effective way to use your time because like that struggle of trying to communicate what we're hearing and try to communicate what we're thinking, what we're feeling, I think has led to a much better understanding of the problem and maybe even the opportunity that we would have had otherwise. I'm a big fan of struggle. Definitely. And I'm, I do feel like there's an element of this where you can like, you can never understand your customers' problems in too much detail. It's like every pass we do with this, we kind of have a deeper, more granular, nuanced sense of the problems. And just in that conversation this morning, we like took a problem that we had understood one way and like we're able to break it down. Like, okay, what are the actual pieces of this? Oh, there's like many pieces of it, right? Yep. Like you said, Josh, it feels inefficient or sometimes it just feels like you walk out of a call and you're like, what was that about? And then only later do you find, you know, when maybe when we are, we are ideating like ways we might solve the problem, that conversation we had that felt really murky and like, are we just arguing about semantics here? Are we arguing? about I don't know. Like whatever you might, however you might frame that, like comes actually becomes really important where you're like, oh, well, I'm very glad we took the time to break this problem down because now that we're trying to develop a solution, it becomes clear that there are many little things we're trying to solve and we can't solve them all at once. And so it's great that we all have a fluent understanding of the details of that because it makes yeah. those conversations much faster. So Plus Can I say a nice thing about ThoughtBot? I know this isn't like the, you know. Um, please, please do. Welcome, okay. Josh. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, say a nice thing yours. about ThoughtBot. The last time I did this, I did this with, with my best friend, Ben, a person I had literally known since I was six years old, maybe five. I don't know, since first grade. And we were entering a new space. This was like grocery marketing. And we talked to a crap ton of people, a lot of them doing things like going to grocery store headquarters and just talking to people and meeting people who are like manufacturers of a grocery products and going to trade shows with 60,000 grocers all in one giant room. Remember those days pre-COVID where you'd like, you know, take the samples with your left hand and shake with the right hand and don't get those two things mixed up because there's a lot of people in the room with you. And we talked to easily a thousand people and we knew how to establish that like shared empathic understanding of the market and the problem really well because we were side by side. We were really well practiced at having those conversations. And, you know, after the day of, you know, shaking hands and meeting people and introducing ourselves was done, we go back to the hotel room, shared, of course, because we were young entrepreneurs who couldn't afford to get nice hotel rooms. And we'd spend the next couple of hours like talking about it. We like talk to each other all the time. One nice thing about ThoughtBot is you're really good at working remotely and working asynchronously. And if, you know, it had been up to me by myself to be like, okay, you know, Josh, you have this like remote team, right? Different time zones with, you know, non-overlapping hours. How are you going to like work together to establish this common understanding, right? This common semantic model, this common syntax for talking about the problem and the users and the needs and the opportunity. I'd be like, I don't know, right? And this is somebody who's like worked remotely for the past, I don't know, five, six, seven years. I mean, most of his job, but like still that, that, that early bit is a thing which, you know, I've seen a lot of thought about practice and skill around, and it's not an easy skill to master. And it's one that you practiced organizationally. And that's really valuable. And I don't think I fully appreciated that until we got started. No, thanks. Uh, Jordan, any thoughts on that? Did, were you thinking about remote setup of the program? Or at this point, it's just everything's remote? Working remotely can really deepen in good ways one's communication practices, because it forces you to be intentional about communicating in a way that when you are co-located with people, you kind of don't have to because there's people in front of you when you talk to them. So I agree, Josh, that ThoughtBot does a, a good job of making that work 
the work to communicate and stay on the same page, like um, tangible, visible, whatever it is. That's also just something I've given a ton of thought to because I've been working remotely like as a primary orientation since 2010. And so this is just like how I work. And it's very, I don't know, organic to my mind now that it's basically like if I'm doing something and I don't tell someone about it, it's like a tree falls in the forest, you know, if there's no one around to hear it. If I'm working on something and I don't tell anyone about it, it's like I didn't do anything. Communication is like 60% of the job. Um, And the set point is, oh, I did something. Oh, I emailed someone. Maybe I should tell the team about this. (laughs) Like Just literally, because you're not in a situation where... I'm going to overhear a phone call that Josh is having because he's at the desk next to mine, or I'm going to like ambiently be aware that like Caro and Toby went into a conference room to talk about something. And like, while I maybe didn't consciously think about that, it's sort of in my periphery. Like none of that is happening because we're not in an office together, right? We don't get to do the thing that you did with Ben where we just Mm -hmm. talk about stuff because we're near each other. So you really have to get into this practice of externalizing very proactively the things going on in your own mind with the team. And it's a challenge. It's work. It's not, it doesn't just happen effortlessly, right? But yeah, to say it's critical or to say it's a critical piece of how we approach the work is an understatement. I don't know, it's like, it is the work. (laughs) The making of the software, whatever, that's easy. (laughs) Communicating about making software, that's hard. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know, uh, it's very heartening. Yeah, that makes sense. Josh, that you think that we do a good job of that. I think we're constantly trying to do a better job of it, frankly. I don't know if you can do it. That's probably why you do a good job. So I know a lot of the early weeks, days has been around alignment and doing a lot of these user interviews. Have there been any moments yet, Josh, any new like light bulbs for you or insights or are we not quite there yet? And it's more kind of setting the scene. I'll share one really embarrassing one, which keeps on coming back to bite me. When I sent out the survey, and of course, I'm just gonna say for everybody listening, Basically, surveys are useless, except they're really nice lead generation tools for people who are willing to talk to you. But when we sent out the survey, at the top, it says something like personal CRM survey. And I'm pretty sure that when I set up the calendar invite system, which is, by the way, for folks listening out there, like you want to get your like operational side of this thing done before you start sending emails out because you're going to quickly like lose the ability to keep track of stuff. I think the meeting event also said something like personal CRM survey. And it was I don't know, sometime in the middle of the first week, maybe later on when like, I think we all realized on the team that like CRM is the wrong framing for this thing, right? Nobody likes CRMs, right? CRMs are transactional. They're tools to sell something to somebody. You know, they're tools for like auditing your behavior. If you're a salesperson to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, they're like on a cadence, like CRMs are tools for a world, which is not what most people aspire for their personal relationships to be. And I don't think we've quite settled on what this thing actually is. And maybe there isn't a thing yet, right? Maybe that's part of the challenge they're having. Like this thing doesn't exist, but it's not a CRM. And three quarters of the way through the interviews when I ask people like, so what question should I have asked you? Right, they're all saying, well, you didn't ask me about, about personal CRMs at all. I'm like, okay, that's a good point. <laughs> so there've been plenty of pivots inside of my head around this and the way that I think about this problem. And some of these things are still embarrassing and still kind of coming back to haunt me and maybe haunt the rest of the team as well. I don't know what you're Honestly, what I was hoping things? for something way more embarrassing, but uh. embarrassing. <laughs> if that's your embarrassing, <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. You're, you're doing, doing great. great. Okay. The number of video calls where I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> okay. Well, on to the next one question. Jordan. Okay. Embarrassing uh, or awkward. Hard to know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Jordan, you mentioned that Josh is not the only participant in this right. session. Yes. Tell me about why, why not just Josh? What's going on? What are the developments there? Yeah, this is really exciting. So we wanted to scale this program from the moment that we we ran single companies at the time to start because we wanted to learn as much as we could in a, in a kind of intense, focused way from developing a process and seeing what's valuable about it. Um, so this was always kind of on our minds to do. And the way it worked out was just that there were two teams at ThoughtBot ready and willing to serve. And we had, you know, anytime we run the application window, we always kind of have a, a list of folks that we're excited about. We can't take all of them. But in this case, we had the two teams and it also kind of fell in this nice way where we've got this team with a center of gravity you know, GMT, center of gravity, essentially. And then we have another team which has more of a like US-centric center of gravity. And so the timing kind of worked out. And yeah, I don't know. It wasn't anything more complex than that. It just, we'd always been on the lookout for how we could scale this effort, bring it to more folks. And this was the first opportunity where it appeared like it would work out. I mean, TBD, if it's working out, we can decide at the end. <laughs> but it's very exciting. It's fun. And we're really looking for ways to help these teams collaborate. You know, we'll see how everybody's in a, a Slack channel together inside of ThoughtBot Slack called ThoughtBot Incubator. And our past participants are in there as well. And we're really trying to create an atmosphere where people can help each other, um, share tips, talk about what they're working on. There is actually some, some intersection between what Josh is working on and what the other team's working on, I think. Just because what Josh, what you're working on applies to a lot of people. They get applies to these people too. Anyway, that's yeah. That's, it's it's, I, it's yeah, fun to it see the the incubator yeah. Slack start to build out and folks talking yeah. to each other and more thought botters are trickling in there. Because Josh, you mentioned you've been a client before and thought bot yeah. fan in the past, and now now you can officially live in Thoughtbot Slack too and hang out with us twenty four seven. Still, still just a guest. Only got my two channels. <laughs> Can't DM you unless you're in one of those two channels. But yes, well, it there. is very exciting. This is better than snacks at your downtown Boston office. Yeah. I think I even added a uh, an emoji to Slack. I was pretty pretty happy about that. Oh, nice. We've got a good custom emoji uh, yeah. library. I mean, that's what we have for company culture, right? Is company emojis. To kind of finish this out here, Josh or Jordan, do you have any calls to action for our viewers or listeners, uh, maybe interviews or survey participants or, or anything else? Well, certainly if the pain point we described resonates for you, <laughs> reach out. We would love to interview you. Or like Josh said, if you actually have solved this problem. Oh yeah. That, was a good one. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like, but I actually meant that. So like, hey, if you out there are a software developer, an entrepreneur, right? Own a company that you think has really solved this. I would love to learn from that if you want to talk to us. If you are a person who struggles with this and feels like you've tried really hard to solve this, I'd love to hear from you as well. You know, did you search for a tool? Did you ask your friends? Did you try to build something yourself? Do you still use that thing you built yourself? Do you try one of those CRMs? Do you try a personal CRM tool out there, right? Clay, Dex, Monica, Folk. If those names resonate with you, like I want to hear, right? I want to hear about people who feel like they're doing this thing really well or people who don't feel like they're doing it as well as they should, but who feel like they've put like real effort into it. Great. 
Well, we're going to be catching up with Josh here every other week. We'll have some updates on the ThoughtBot blog. And in our alternating week, we're going to be catching up with the other founders going through the incubator. So next week, we're going to chat with Mike and Chris, and we'll get to meet them and hear a little bit about their journey and what's led them to validating their idea in the ThoughtBot incubator as well. And strong rec people to tune in for that one. They are extremely photogenic and very funny, and they talk slower than me too. So a greater chance will be able to understand what they're saying. So all in all, definitely tune in for that. That's a great promo. If you want to stay up to date with the incubator or uh, are thinking about applying for the next session, I think we'll be in the new year. Um, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash incubator, and you can also sign up for email updates. Uh, and we can make sure to send you recordings of these interviews, as well as the blog updates, and then keep you up to date about when applications open and end. Jordan, Josh, thank you so much for joining today and sharing what's been going on in the early days. Uh, it's really exciting to follow along. All right, have a great day. Thanks everyone for watching. Did you know ThoughtBot has a referral program? If you introduce us to someone looking for a design or development partner, we will compensate you if they decide to work with us. More info on our website at tbot.io slash referral, or you can email us at referrals at thoughtbot.com with any questions.